All right, everyone, welcome to this week's edition of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Matthew Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. This week, we have a special guest, a gentleman who is going to share his experience with taking care of his wife, Mr. Don Colbert. So I want you to just take a listen and hopefully we can just learn a few things, pick up a few nuggets from his experience. So thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. All right. All right. Well, first of all, let me say thank you to the guest we have today. I sometimes do podcasts where I just share information, which is good. But I also like to share people's experience because that's where I think the learning can really take place. And so today we have the honor of having someone who will do that for us, who will share his experience. So I am going to introduce to you a gentleman who I met in a support group, which hopefully we can even talk about that a little bit later, too, that that's so important to have a support group in addition to whatever you have as part of your network to have that group of people who are going through some of the same things you're going through and learning information on that journey. So that's where I met Mr. Colbert and Mr. Colbert. Thank you again for sitting down with us here on the podcast. And I want you to start by talking about, I just happen to know that it's your wife that you're caring for. So to start by talking about her a little bit about her, and then I want to hear you talk about you and introduce yourself. So what about your wife? Tell us about her. I'll introduce myself, Don Colbert. But right. my uh, wife's name is Sonovia. We call her Novi. Okay. I first met her in 1952. We both were in the Air Force. We came to St. Paul. She arrived here early, right after basic training. I think she went to service, if I'm not mistaken, in February. And after basic training, came here to St. Paul approximately April or May. I think it was May. I didn't arrive until after Labor Day that year, September of 52. I'd been in the service for four years approximately. Not quite four years, but almost. Because I went in in January 49 and went to England in 1950 and stayed there two years. And I came here in 1952 from England. We met in September, I stayed at and we got married in June of 53. Okay. And this past this past this, uh, June, we celebrated 68 years of marriage. But back around 1910, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, 19, or was it 2010? Yeah, about 2010 is when we noticed that she was slowing down with her memory problem, things you know, weren't as they should be. So I took her to a doctor, her primary doctor, and she sent us to a neurologist. And neurologist, that was in February of 2011. And the neurologist came back with a diagnosis of Alzheimer's. And so from then on, and then approximately after being treated with uh, certain drugs, et cetera, not drugs. I shouldn't call them drugs. What do you call them? Uh, therapeutics? Medication. Okay. Medication, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and they were therapeutic, yes. Well, she had a reaction to those, and, and 
didn't receive them very well. So the neurologist said, I'm sorry, I can't do any more for you. And lo and behold, the Volunteers of America put on a seminar and I was informed of this seminar from my daughter-in-law. And she said, Don, she said, go over to the YMCA in Minneapolis. There's a seminar been been put on by the uh, Volunteers of America. And I went there and met Dorothea, who ran the program at the Volunteers of America for the culturally, what I say, uh, perceived or, or diverse mm-hmm. organizations. So I met her and she introduced me to one of her social workers there. And from then we started doing classes. From the classes evolved meetings on a regular basis, almost every other week or so, I was attending classes. And lo and behold, that's what we finally joined a support group that was designed for us. I found people who were caring, people who share, and I've been, I said, I've been impressed and I'm very grateful to be in this support group. Now, that's the background. Gotcha. And that's a good background. And we are going to unpack all of that. So that was a very good uh, setting of the scene for us. And now I just want to back up a little because I do want to talk about you, too, so that people know who we're talking to. So you uh, talked about the military, that that's kind of where you started and got your where you met your your lovely wife of 63 years, did you say? 68. 68 years. 68 yeah. years. Wow. Fantastic. But let, let me hear a little bit more about your background. So what is it that you did for a living and just kind of a little bit about you? Well, I stayed in the military for 20 years. Okay. I was in medical administration. I rose to the rank of master sergeant and retired in 1969. After I got out of the Air Force, I joined a place called the First Bank of St. Paul, First National Bank of St. Paul. I retired from there after 18 years, and that's those were my two careers. Okay. The Air Force and First Bank of St. Paul. All right. I worked in the uh, real estate department there, residential loan officer, when I retired. Gotcha. Okay. And so how long ago was that, that you retired from the bank? That was 19. It was January 1987. Oh, nice, nice. I've been right. retired 34 years from that organization. Okay, all right. And then the military retirement as well. Okay, right. good, good. So we have, have a sense of who you are. And now I want to come back then to the diagnosis, which you said happened kind of formally in 2011, but you had some sense of what was going on before that. How long exactly. was it before you started the, um, when you, I know you talked about the Volunteers of America, someone told you about that, but before you got into that support group, how long was it after 2011? That, I, I guess somewhere around five or six years. I'm thinking that it, it must have killed around 2015 or 16, somewhere along in there. I've been with them for about five or six years, I know. 
Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So then I want to come back to the diagnosis when you got kind of the official word of what it was. How did that hit you and Novi? I mean, how, how were you receiving that? Was it a matter of, oh, thank goodness, now we at least know what it is? Or was it the disappointment? You know, just kind of give me a sense of how that news hit you. Well, it was more or less the confirmation because we almost knew what it was. At least I knew what it was because I had been conversing with the doctor. It was difficult for her to accept it. Mm-hmm. That's where the difficulty came in. But, but I, it was just a confirmation, really. Gotcha. They confirmed it, and that's it. All right. All right. And so let's talk about then the support network. So you said essentially there was maybe three or four years before you got into the voice uh, the volunteers of America and maybe got some resources and help from there. But what were you doing before then? Or was it really necessary in terms of help? This was early on in the diagnosis. Maybe there wasn't as much that you needed to do. Talk to me about your support network from the beginning until now. Okay, that's a good question. The I first started sharing with with my friend because um, we had a very close friend, and she volunteered to come over occasionally so I could get a, a break to go wherever I wanted to do. But primarily, we also I'm, I'm uh, I may be going back and forth, but we we have long term care insurance, long-term nursing care. So we were able to bring in our caregivers to help in the home. And I'm, I'm very fortunate in that respect to ever, shall I say, uh, cover it or, or, or take on this type of uh, coverage because they reimburse me every penny I spend. I'm very fortunate in that respect. So there's no financial uh, hardship, and it made it much easier. So this this friend came in to sit for a while. Then I got the caregiver help coming in. I was slow about getting that, by the way, <laughs> mm. but finally got it coming in. My son would come over, help me once in a while. My daughter in law, they all help. And, and I am not a cook, so once my wife stopped stopped cooking. We weren't eating very well. So <laughs> okay. Daughter-in-law, right. she, she was bringing food over. My son bringing food over, all that kind of stuff. But um, with the caregiver, they come in four times a week. So I'm very fortunate in respect. And along came the Volunteers of America, and they have been very helpful. There was a social worker there. used to bring food on holidays like... Uh, Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas, all those things. And she's no longer there. So we, uh, and there were churches around here that also provided assistance. And my church also helped too. They, in fact, they still help. Uh, once a month on the third Saturday, they bring a lot of food to help us out. They do that for other uh, home homebound people also. So I have received a lot of help, but the, the, the best step I've received has been through the Volunteers of America, which you are now involved with yourself. Yeah. So that's really, the, and, and you recognize how 
beautiful and, and, and a great job they do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I want to just make sure I highlight the one thing you mentioned that really helped you in terms of being prepared was that long-term care insurance because, of course, right. not everyone would have that, but as you can see in this example, not sure if this was what you were thinking when you got it, but the fact that you had that in place uh, has made this caregiving and the support a little lighter because you're able to not have the financial burden because that is exactly what is usually the biggest burden for people when you are faced with, you know, two or three thousand dollars to have somebody come in or four or five thousand dollars to be in a memory care facility that can get very expensive. So this is something that you would say has paid off the benefit for getting this long term care insurance. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a move that I didn't think of at the time, like you say, I didn't but I recognize that we are getting older and if you prepare it's the I guess the people who came to sell this insurance to me gave me good advice. They said there's an inflation clause in here. It costs a little extra if you want to uh, take this off. I said, put it in there. I want it. And and, and I tell you, it, like I, I, I don't recall exactly the year, but I think it was approximately six or seven years ago that we started using the, the insurance. Mm -hmm. They paid over $113,000 so far and haven't even thought about taking me off. So I'm very fortunate to have this. I emphasize that for anyone who's considering long-term care insurance. I think they call it long-term long nursing care, I believe they call it. Okay. Do you recall when you bought it or when you started the policy? That, I I think it was in the uh, latter part of the, the 1900s, somewhere around, might have been 19... 80 or 90 or somewhere along in there. Okay. But I know I had it several years before we, we, um, incurred any, any, um, well, just, just make a, a request for assistance from them. Gotcha. So and let me, I just, don't know. The, I don't know the exact year. Okay. So eighties yeah. or nineties, but do you still pay into it? Does it still, you have a monthly yes. fee still? I still? Yeah. You still have a monthly premium. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So thank you for that. And then just because I know you and I didn't know your wife was a veteran as well. Are there any VA benefits that you are taking advantage of or not yet? I haven't requested any. I've, I've looked into it, but I, at one time, I think I got some advice from one of the, uh, what they call them, uh, people that, that, provide assistance mm -hmm. or anyway they look at your income and and my income was too high i recall that so gotcha gotcha yeah in other words you have to qualify <laughs> right right income one yeah okay all right okay so let me ask this question in terms of challenges that you face what would you say is the 
biggest challenge in terms of being a caregiver? And now you've been for years, you know, going on 10 years. My biggest challenge is being patient. That's my biggest challenge. Right? Because when they ask you a question, it's always a new question. And you attempt to say, well, I just told you that two minutes ago, three minutes ago. And you have to check yourself, as we call it. Count to 10, sometimes count to 20 before mm-hmm. you respond. Because it's, they are sensitive to things like that. And then you feel guilty. And so that's that's my biggest challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. If I, if I, show, if I can show patience, which is what's needed. And it, it challenged me every day, in fact. Yeah, yeah. I am with you on that. And you just, it's hard to now see this person, and in your case, who you've been with for 70 years, essentially, that their brain is going through a change, even though physically they look the same. And, you know, it seems like exactly. everything's okay. But you have to change your frame of reference, really, so that you understand that it's not them and trying to annoy you or it's not even that they think they're asking the same question. They think they're asking a different question because that information was forgotten yeah. if you told it to them right. five minutes ago. So yeah, exactly. good, absolutely. And then what have you learned about yourself, if anything, over these years? Boy, I have changed because the, the patient part has made me, be a little more reserved and I don't say laid back, but at least uh, I, I take consideration other people. I'm sensitive to their concern now, let's put it that way. And uh, it, 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 I really think it's made me a better person. Mm. I'm appreciative of that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And a lot of that was taught to me by the Volunteers of America, which we're co- which you're learning to deal with. They they are a great group. I, can, I can't say enough about them. Yeah, let's talk about that some more. So what about that group has been helpful? I mean, I know, of course, because that's where I met you, but what, what would you say would be the benefit of participating in something like that, that type of support group? Well, they taught you to care for yourself. That's what they're teaching me anyway, and they teach everyone else that too because uh, they're the same that you can't take care of your, your care receiver until you take care of yourself. Um, you know, you, you, you have to be in good shape. You have to be, uh, you, you have to exercise. You have to eat right. All these kind of things. Yeah. So they are, they are looking out for the care, the caregiver. That's me. They're looking out for me. They put me on the right path towards my exercise, my eating. Just just uh, everyday living to take care of the care receiver. That's the emphasis on the caregiver. Absolutely. And, you know, so they talk about physical health for sure. Remember last week we had the kind of discussion about vision and making sure you're getting your pupils dilated and getting that type of, uh, you know, kind of review of your physical health. But it also helps with spiritual and mental health as well. Right group. So, yeah, talk about the importance of that, that, yes, physical and checking up and all that is good, but the mental health, what about that? Yeah, the mental health, they have a spiritual group that they meet 
twice a month. It's the uh, first and third Tuesday of each, each month. And they bring someone in. And fortunately, we have people right within the group who are leading this. We, we have several of them. I, I think there are two people there that lead, alternate, and then they have a backup sometime with another person. We, we've had three, three people in there to uh, lead us in this group. And I look forward to it. <laughs> like, if, if you notice, sometimes I'm the first one on there. <laughs> right. I, I, it, it's so great. I'm so, I, I'm thankful. I'm grateful and thankful that, that to be associated with this group. They have helped me a great deal. Yeah. Absolutely. I come away, I come away enthused. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. When I found the group and just to give everybody else a little more insight, this group is actually in Minneapolis, but because of the pandemic, they meet virtually now and, you know, right. it's a culturally sensitive support group. So, um, it really is kind of speaking your language in terms of the African-American community. And, uh, you know, I hope that even when the pandemic is over and the group goes back to in person, that they still keep this virtual element as well, because I've enjoyed it being a part of it. Yeah. Maybe they can put us on zoom all over the United States. Right. Right. Exactly. So, but at least for now, those of you who are listening, if this is something that might interest you by all means, reach out to me at D baller, D I B A W L E R at Gmail. Dot com, and I can get you connected with uh, Gloria Coles, who I know is the one that sends out the information every, well, it's sometimes twice a week about the um, support group there. All right. So then just to close us out, anything else, Mr. Colbert, that you'd like to add or tell us that we may not have touched on that you can, you know, or let me ask it this way. If you were giving advice somebody who has just come to you to say that their spouse or their parent has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and they're about to embark on this journey that you've been on for 10 plus years, what would you say or advise that person? My advice would be to get in touch with the Volunteers of America in Minneapolis. And I could share the same as you did with about Gloria Coles. I would share that about the other social workers over there, particularly Carolyn Smith, who heads up that department. Get in touch with her. It's a beautiful support group. She heads up the support group. Yeah. And we meet once a month, which is the second Thursday of each month with her. With her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then if you're not in that area, I would say ALZ.org, the Volunteers of America probably has other locations too. So, you know, find out where the information is and, you know, seek it out and get on the computer perhaps too, um, because that there's a lot of information out there. Anything else you want to just add before we close out? No, there's a uh, group called the Agent, Minnesota Agent, and I'm sure most states have those. So that's another resource, I would think, that you could reach out to. Yes, I know for sure. Yeah, because in uh, Virginia, there's an Office of Aging in Maryland. They have the same thing. Yeah, so each state will definitely have some information. You're absolutely correct. All right. Well, I want to again thank you, Mr. Colbert, for coming on and talking to us and sharing your story. 
I hope that this will help someone. I would say the key takeaways, uh, prepare, be prepared. And in your case, you prepared before you even knew what was going on with the long term care insurance. You kind of set that up and also looking out for a support system in some way that will be directly helpful for you so that you can just have some assistance along that journey. So thank you again, Don Colbert, and thank you all for listening. Next week, we'll be back with another episode of Dementia in Black and White.